Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome everyone to the Umarpreneur live podcast. Well, actually, this one is not live. It's going to be a recorded episode. And honestly, I'm bringing you a few special guests that I handpicked that were some of the best guests that I had on this podcast previously. And I want to bring them back on so we can have another discussion, maybe share with you a little bit more of their wisdom and insights. And with me today, uh, none, other, none other than Dr. Marwa Asar. Marwa, welcome to the podcast. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> it's definitely an honor and a pleasure to have you. And for those of you who maybe didn't listen to the first episode, to give you an idea of what Dr. Marla does. So she's a psycho-spiritual teacher. She's the founder of the Home Institute, where she focuses on providing spiritual, mental, and emotional transformation rooted in Islamic teachings and approached through an Islamic psychological lens. So a very interesting guest with me, mashallah, who does amazing work. I'm a huge fan of her work and what she's doing. So I want to bring her on. I want to have a frank, clear discussion today about a few topics, a few different topics that we didn't plan. This is going to be, uh, you know, off the cuff and we're really just going to have a nice little chat here. So are you ready for this, Marwa? Yep, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. So recently you were on a trip to Turkey. Mm-hmm. You were taking a little bit of a vacation, enjoying yourself, mashallah, and you even went to Spain. So I think I would like to start there because... Okay. A lot of entrepreneurs, um, you know, that might listen to this podcast, they might think to themselves, you know what, one of the one of the cool things about having a business is maybe a little bit more freedom, maybe a little bit more ability to travel. So tell us about that. How was it traveling for you? Did you put your business on pause entirely or what did you do to accommodate that? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I am used to traveling while working um, mm-hmm. and a lot of times when I do travel, I'm still working. Uh, this was actually the first time where I took like an extended time away from work, okay. uh, where, you know, the first part of the trip I was working and then um, I actually went through some my own personal, you know, challenges and it was just a lot at once um, for me to kind of handle. So I, I said to myself, you know what, this is a perfect time for me to just, you know, take some time away and and focus on that, um, on, on and being present with myself mm. and with the trip, but also with the things that were going on in my life as well. So yeah. it is it is working from home, obviously, and being an entrepreneur, having the online, having an online platform is a blessing in so many ways, but it's also a challenge, you know, because mm you know it's not like you go to work and then you come home and then that's it you leave work in a physical space you know what's challenging about having an online platform and working via online is that sometimes you don't know when to turn it off you know mm-hmm. and you don't know and that's kind of been my challenge a lot of times is that I'll work a lot and um even when I'm traveling and so for me it was kind of strange to take this much time like and not be able to work because it's like it's almost like you feel lucky that you get to work while you travel. So you feel guilty not working. <laughs> you get, mm. I, don't know if you, I don't know if you're familiar. I get that. I get that. It's like I'm so I lucky that. that I get to work, you know, from, from home and, um, and I get to travel while I'm working. But then at the same time, you don't realize how much overtime you put in and how much time you, you are really in work mode. So yeah, everything has its challenge and everything has its, you know, blessings, you know? So, yeah. So, so tell us about uh, tell us about Turkey a little bit because I want to know I haven't been so I just told this to Marwa before that we recorded the podcast and and you guys it might shock you to hear this I'm inshallah planning a trip to Turkey myself in the next uh, few days so um, next week actually and it's going to be my first time personally visiting a Muslim country yeah. so I want to I want to ask you Marwa for you 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure you visited many Muslim countries before, but I want to know as someone that goes, a Muslim that goes to Muslim countries, I'm someone who was raised in the West. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one thing that I personally struggle with is that I always feel like I'm the other, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, and so I want to know, and I'm really excited to find out, but I want to know based on your experience, Mm-hmm. what is it like when you go to countries like Turkey? Is there a difference? And does it actually affect your, does it have an impact on your Iman in any way? Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you ask this. It's some. It's a reflection that I shared a lot with my family, um, mm-hmm. which is this, you know, in the US, you, you were the minority as Muslims, right? And even praying in public or, you know, it just, you always, you do feel like the other, you know? So it is... Um, I always say that, you know, when when I you go to Turkey, you feel pride in being a Muslim. And why mm. I say that, well, number one, I love how they preserve Islamic history. And, you know, they, they're really big on, you know, just, um, you know, just really bringing that um, that Islamic history to light. You know, if you you, you they preserve our relics and um, in, in the museum there. And so you just it just fills you up with pride. But mm-hmm. when you're in a Muslim country and there's an event five times a day, you know, it's like. It, you don't feel like the other. You feel like this is the norm, you know, where you go, where you walk around and so many people are hijabi. I mean, Turkey's pretty diverse. Not everyone is hijabi there. It's not like Saudi, you know, but but it's you definitely do feel this sense of like, um, like uh, not a stranger, you know, mm-hmm. and you feel this sense of comfort that comes from not being the minority where you can, you know, in Juma, for example, people, you know, the mosques are full fast so people just roll roll their carpets on the floor outside the mosque and start praying so the streets are filled with with worshipers and it's such a beautiful Mm -hmm. feeling so you definitely do feel like oh so this is what it's like to not be the minority you know well that's beautiful michelle i'm so excited to experience that and you you're someone who very much works with you know muslims that are i'm guessing is are the majority living in the west your students or is it all over the world um it's all over, but still considered the West, like UK is considered. Yeah. Right. So um, non-Muslim countries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Non-Muslim countries, most pre- predominantly. Yeah. What have you found to be kind of the biggest challenge that Muslims are f- currently facing living in non-Muslim countries in your experience? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. I think it's um, holding on to our values. Uh, it's to not, it's to owning who we are despite the the conversation about us and the narrative in people's minds about what muslims are and what islam is about and i think that you know it's it's really that it's really it's really the struggle to um this gonna this is gonna sound like you know maybe harsh but i think there is a spiritual crisis in the world. Mm. I think we are struggling to connect to the beauty of the truth of Islam in a time where falsehood has become so popular and so accepted. And so it's it's like, it's so hard. I have conversations all the time with people where it's like, that looks easy. You know, this is hard. <laughs> Holding on in, in, a, in, the non-Muslim, in a non-Muslim country in the West to hold on to our values it's a struggle. And it's like, sometimes it's like, why do I always have to be struggling? Why do I always have to stand out? Why do I, and this is what's happening to a lot of Muslims and not just the youth anymore. It's happening to people in their twenties and their thirties, even older, you know, where it's like the struggle to stay, to stay rooted in our values, despite appearing strange has become emotionally draining, I think for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. 
I can completely relate to that personally, uh, Marwan. And to be honest with you, even for myself, and you know, and I think this is where like, you know, sometimes we feel like it's taboo to share when we're in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. But even for myself, for someone, and I mean, I thank Allah every single day, Alhamdulillah, that I have built myself a business and an atmosphere that allows me to always be grounded in Islam. In the way that Umrpreneur is a place where I get to work with Muslims, I get to always kind of push myself. And even in those days where I'm not necessarily feeling it, um, you know, quote unquote, I still have to kind of go out there and, you know, like interact and with Muslims and, and be a Muslim. And, and I know it sounds weird to say be a Muslim, but I mean, like, you know, when you're around non-Muslims, you can, you just you can do whatever, but mm -hmm. to be a Muslim and to, you know, just remember like, oh yeah, okay, let's, let's, think about how we can incorporate Islam into this and, you know, everything that goes into that. And when I, for example, create content and I have to think, okay, how can we relate this back to our deen? Mm -hmm. And I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I'm in that position because yeah. it's kind of like a way for me to always remain grounded mm -hmm. within that, right? Yeah. Especially being in a place and then a situation where it's so easy to lose that grounding. And I think that's one of the, one of the major things that you help with. And one of the one of the reasons why a lot of people come to you, which is really beautiful and why I love what it is that you do, uh, mashallah. And, and you know how much appreciation I have for it because you are someone who I think sees that mm -hmm. issue and sees this problem and thought to herself, what is it that I can do taking my knowledge and my experience and my abilities? What can I do to help make my own impact on this problem here, make it a little bit better, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing through the Home Institute, mashallah. And so okay. I wanna ask you, for someone that maybe doesn't even have that grounding, right? Cause I have that and even sometimes I struggle. For you, what has been like the biggest difference maker or the biggest kind of thing for you that has allowed you to really hold strong to the Dean, right? Even for someone like yourself who did grow up in an awesome country. Mm -hmm. You know, first, I want to say I really appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that. Um, you know, something that I think I, I'm actually working on my book right now, and I was just mm -hmm. writing the part about vulnerability. And, um, you know, it's it's a rough draft, so I don't know how much of it is going to still stay. But I was just just openly reflecting on this concept of vulnerability and how it's mm -hmm. missing from people in positions of leadership mm -hmm. who have platforms like I, you know, like who like, you know, you're using Islam and you're utilizing you know, you're grounding everything in Islam, right? And you're leading Correct. it back to Islam and you're empowering Muslims. So some, and I'm same thing, like people look at me and they might think, you know, or, or even scholars, you learn from scholars and you think people think, okay, they have it all together. Right. And yeah. so I'm really big on vulnerability because, you know, we have to see the imperfection, even in those who are teaching us, you know, and I tell my students all the time, I say, I'm a work in progress. I am a work in progress constantly. I'm working on myself just like you are. And I have, you know, um, spiritual highs and spiritual lows. And um, and I don't think that, you know, there's this place where you arrive. There's no place where you arrive where it's like, oh, you know, uh, welcome to piety. You know, it's mm -hmm. not. 
there's no there's no arrival with with religiousness with piety everyone is on their own path with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, so I just wanted to, you know, thank you for being vulnerable and saying that, you know, it is a struggle to stay grounded. Mm -hmm. And I can under, I can relate to the fact that this work is a reminder to ourselves first, right? When mm -hmm. you're doing a video or you're doing a reminder, you're remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is, it is, it is helpful. And I feel the same way. Um, can you repeat though the question now that I <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I appreciate you saying that. Um, so my question to you was, how do you yeah. overcome that actually? Like, I want to know, what is it that you do or what have you found to be, you know, I know there's probably not one true answer, but what have you found to be helpful to you in maintaining and keeping that grounding for us? Yeah. And, you know, for, for all the people who listen to this, even if they're not entrepreneurs, yeah, you know, maybe they can learn from that. So you're asking about for myself, right? For like yourself. Yeah. Um, so I will tell you this, like, you know, I've struggled. Um, I've struggled spiritually. I, I don't think it's going to be the last time I struggle spiritually. I think you struggle spiritually until your last breath. Um, and I think it's just different kinds of struggles because it's all a teaching experience on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us. But for me, I think honesty is really important. Um, I mean, honesty is important, not just for me, but honesty is just, you know, like when it comes to my spiritual struggles. So like if I don't understand something with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, I tell him, yeah, Allah, I don't understand. <laughs> hmm. If I am, I am getting frustrated or impatient, I say, yeah, Allah, I, I'm impatient. <laughs> I'm, 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 I don't know what to do. You know, if I feel like, let's say I'm struggling with certain aspects, you know, I tell Allah, I tell Allah and I, I don't shame. I mean, I, I worked on not shaming myself. You know why? Because like this, there's this idea that, okay, like if you wear hijab, there's, you're never going to get a thought of, oh man, I wish I could not wear hijab, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. or that if you pray that you're never going to get a thought that says, oh, you know, I don't want to pray. I don't feel like praying that, you know, if you are, um, you, you have like the strong iman and you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you believe in all the tenets, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have doubts. Right. So I don't, I believe in the coexistence of all of these aspects. I believe you can love Allah and believe in Allah and still go to him with your confusion. I believe you can love hijab and believe in the understanding of hijab and still sometimes not want to wear it. You know, mm -hmm. I believe that you can understand the power of prayer and you know you need it in your heart and still have that those emotional experiences where it's so heavy for you to go to pray. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like Allah already knows where what I'm feeling. So why not just be honest with him about it? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think, um, inshallah, I think that's, you know, I hope that's what helps me because throughout my life, because I just don't believe in perfection. I don't believe Allah expects that once you start wearing hijab, that once you start praying, that once you start practicing, that that's it. You have to be perfect. And, you know, I noticed this double standard. It's because of this false belief that we have that we approach religious people and non-religious people so differently, right? Like, for example, if someone is, let's say we view somebody as, you know, in our minds, not religious, right? And they do something like uh, wrong or something, right? We're like, we don't judge in the same way as somebody who is religious wearing hijab or a scholar doing something wrong, right? Then we're like, oh my God, how could they? They're, you know, they're practicing. Like, and I think it's this false belief in our minds that like, once you start practicing, you've arrived and there's this, you're supposed to be perfect now. You're not supposed to have doubts. You're not supposed to have. 
And the reality is, is then we would be negating the human experience. And that's really what I try to focus on in my work. I, I don't know why I do this, but I, I do, I, I say this all the time to my students for this specific reason. I tell them that I'm not a scholar. I'm not, I'm a work in progress. I'm constantly saying these things. So they understand that like, I am, I'm, I'm bringing to them things that I learned from my own journey, but also from my background in psychology and, and Islam. I've always been interested in looking at the spiritual experience through a psychological lens and looking at our psychology through a spiritual experience, right? Through a spiritual lens. So when I look mm -hmm. at, okay, prayer and all of these things, I look at the psychological barriers that everybody has at different times in their lives. And you can't negate that. You can't because then you're negating the human experience, which is where, where we're at, where Allah put us, you know? Yeah. I love this. I love this so much. I was like, I have to say, I was kind of like getting a little bit emotional when you were talking because I don't think I've heard anyone say that before, which is pretty crazy when you think about it, because this is a common human experience that I think every single Muslim has experienced. I think even Muslims living in Muslim countries, which we think, oh, you're living in a Muslim country. You know, it's funny because I have um, one of my team members. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's my social media manager. His name's Yusuf. He's, he lives in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And, and essentially, he tells me that in Egypt, um, and this is just hearsay, so don't take my word for it, guys. But he essentially tells me that in Egypt, like you will find Muslims doing things that even in the West, you won't find Muslims doing. You know what I mean? Um, so he tells me that it's not just because it's a Muslim country that like, you know, everyone like it is what it is. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a common human experience. It's not just because you live in a Muslim country that all of a sudden you're perfect. It's not just because you are trying to build something for the ummah like Omar Prunner, for example, that that means I'm a perfect Muslim. And I would hate for people to think that because I'm so far away from that. Mm -hmm. um, and we try and we strive, but as you mentioned, it is a common human experience mm -hmm. to go through all of those highs and lows and to go through those phases of doubt in all areas mm -hmm. and to feel a certain way. And just like even in entrepreneurship, a lot of times I still, even myself, you know, we talked about it a few times, but I wake up sometimes too. And I'm like, man, I should just like, you know, quit this whole thing, get a job. I'm done. I'm just it's too much. You know, trust me, we all we all we all, we all have those days, Maro. It's it's mm -hmm. happening. But but then it's like, okay, no, like I'm doing this for a reason, and like you know, honestly, like I wouldn't actually do it. That's a bit of an extreme thing, but it, the thought is there. Yeah. And and I th I think that happens for everything, everything that we do in life, you know. And I think the mistake is that sometimes, you know, people take all of those fleeting thoughts maybe a little bit too seriously as well yeah. you know where even when we look at now relationships and marriages right there are going to be points in your relationship where you're going to think to yourself maybe i shouldn't be with this person or maybe i don't want to be with this person for x y reason just like you might think to yourself and you might have doubts about your dean you might have doubts mm -hmm. about being an entrepreneur about everything you do in life and that is the nature of the human condition is to question everything Right. Like that is literally what makes us human beings is our ability to question what is around us. Absolutely. And I think maybe sometimes people give those thoughts a little bit too much weight and don't take their time to let them marinate and really evaluate them. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. You know, um, you, I, you're familiar with the heart over mind ego approach. I talked about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. the, the Actually, one of the, the first, um, how do I say this? where this approach started developing or, or its seeds were planted were for me a personal experience first. And, and it's about realizing this mind 
isn't as powerful or not it's powerful but it's it shouldn't be given that high of a position of our inner world and it's because you know i used to you know i I, th- I thought about this in my own life where i used to give so much power to every thought that came through so like and i was always a very like early on you know like i would just like I, very self-critical always would just like what is that why do i think that why did i think that you know why do i feel this way and and what i learned was is that we our thoughts are are they're not meant to be the king our mind is not the king it, our mind is not the lead remember i talked about the heart being mm-hmm. the lead why because the mind is powerful and it's a, it's an amazing blessing that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us but if you halt every time you have a thought and you give it p- that much power that you think it's true then guess what you're n- you're going to you're going to stop like this mm-hmm. is why okay so one of the things that i say part of the heart over my ego approach is that if the mind is the lead, you're going to only walk to Allah so as far as you comprehend. Mm-hmm. If the ego or the emotions are the lead, you're going to only walk to Allah as far as you feel good. Mm-hmm. Okay? If the heart is the lead, you're going to walk to Allah in all conditions. Right? Mm-hmm. So this is like the foundational principle of the heart over mind ego approach because people, we think that we should only walk to Allah when we understand. We should only walk to Allah when we feel good. No. So I learned first and foremost from my own life that no, I shouldn't halt every time I have a thought. I shouldn't beat myself up every time I have a negative thought, right? Because thoughts are, you're thinking all the time. And so this is one concept that's really powerful for people to know is that every thought you have is valid, but it's not real. I mean, it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's real. You had it. It's a real thought, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. Meaning like, okay, let's say you have a thought, okay, I don't want to, um, um, you know, or like, let's say, I don't know, let's, any negative thought that a person can have, like I, um, I'm a bad person, or I, I'm not, I don't want to pray, right? Okay, it's a real, it's a valid feeling, right? But do you really not believe in prayer? Do you really like not? You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like you have to just because you have a thought doesn't mean that it's the defining factor of your entire worth, your entire being, or what you're mm-hmm. going to do in the future. That you still can have a thought and still decide to act otherwise. And so I think in the world we live in, we do give this unhealthy um, position to the mind. And this is what people are struggling with. People say all the time, I have doubts about Allah mm. or I can't comprehend this. So they stop. They 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 feel like they can't walk towards Allah. You know? mm. SubhanAllah. I'm, I'm so glad that you're touching upon that. And I would like to share with you something, get your opinion on it. So one thing that I notice is that you know, I have a few people that I know who are Muslims, who were raised Muslims, uh, but who sometimes stray from the deen. And, and it happens. And that's yeah. something that happens to all human beings. And one, th- one phenomenon, one phenomenon or phenomenon that happens is I feel like when someone starts to get into a place where they're living a certain lifestyle, or you know they're getting accustomed to certain sins or habits that might be sinful mm-hmm. to to be able to kind of overcome or you know reduce their guilt they will start to rationalize away their belief if that makes sense so they'll be and, and I've seen this and the problem is that when other muslims go to them and drive the and, and kind of like 
essentially confront them in a very confrontational manner to say, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. If you're Muslim, it's like completely wrong. How do you do How You don't believe, you know? And I feel like that's not the right approach because that just makes them feel, well, okay, it's either I believe and I don't do it mm-hmm. or I don't believe and then I do it. Yeah. But I think, and this might be a controversial thing to say, I don't know, but I personally think that sometimes we need to have a leaner approach and understand that every person has their own journey. Sometimes people will stray away from the Dean, but we never want to make them feel like the door is closed. We never want to let them feel like they have to choose, like it's black and white. Because mm-hmm. if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most forgiving and he himself tells us that he will forgive us as long as we repent and we are sincere in our yeah. repentance, who are we to not, you know, to close that door for other people by making them feel like if you're going through a certain phase right now mm-hmm. where you're away from the deen, oh, you're not a Muslim or, you know, you either do this or you're away from it. And they're like, oh, well, then, you know, screw it. I'm, a, I'm not a Muslim then. And they just yeah. completely let go instead of saying, it's not being like, look, I know you're going through a phase right now. I want you to understand that the door is still open. Don't sacrifice your beliefs just to make yourself feel better about it, you know, but know that the door is open and you can go back to it. Mm-hmm. and kind of have a more just a better approach in general mm-hmm. you know a better approach a more understanding approach knowing that these people are human beings and allowing them the space to go through phases and to go through what they need to go through as personal experiences because at the end of the day we can't control other people but we can only make them feel that they are welcome if they ever wish to return exactly yeah exactly yeah no, I, I'm glad that you touched upon this because this is a huge issue. Um, and something that I, I've talked about before, too, is that, you know, a lot of times we meet people's imperfection with the perfection of Islam. Mm-hmm. And I always say, you're not Islam. I'm not Islam. My name is not Islam. You know, Islam is a perfect religion, but I'm a human being. I'm a soul. I'm an imperfect person. So when people come to you with their imperfection, when you meet them with the perfection of Islam and not with another imperfect heart, what essentially you're doing is you're just creating a space where you have promoted their ego to come to the lead. Why? Mm-hmm. Because any human being, when they bring their imperfection and their vulnerability into a space and they're met with perfection, you feel overwhelmed. You feel less than. So what does the ego, Why? Do, what is the role of the ego? It comes up to preserve your image it comes up to preserve your um that inner security right so you're only creating a space where their ego comes up not their heart so in that Mm -hmm. moment you yeah you presented a beautiful perfection of islam but guess what you lost that person's heart Mm -hmm. guess what now you're only speaking to their ego so you lost so if our efforts are really sincere and we really want to speak to people's hearts if the heart in you and the heart in other people is the priority that's what you're going to focus on. And it comes from prioritizing our own hearts first. I always tell my students that like, and this is something I felt within me, the more that I worked on my own heart, the more that I wanted to speak to the hearts of others, you know, because you realize that you could be speaking to people's ego or you could be speaking to people's hearts. Right. And so absolutely. I think that, so that's one thing, right? Like don't meet people with perfection when they bring their imperfection to you. Mm. So first see their heart, validate them. Again, remember, when you validate an experience, it doesn't mean you're saying it's right. You're saying that it's real. It's mm-hmm. happening for that person. When you validate somebody and you say, I-, I see that this is happening. I, you know, I'm sorry that you're going through this, you know, just making them feel seen and heard. It's not, that's not you saying I approve. That's you saying, 
I see you. I see your heart. I see you. And I still am accepting you. Like I'm meaning, meaning like not accepting your behavior. I'm accepting the heart in you. That mm. most important part within you, that soul, right? Not accepting the behavior, but I, I see you and your worth and you're still worthy to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so first that's what we do. We validate. And then we create a space where that person's ego goes down and their heart starts to come up because then they feel seen. And you know, when you do that, that's when you create a space where people are more willing to hear the perfection of Islam. So that's one thing. This is going to be a little bit, it's a two, twofold kind of answer. So Please that's one. the next thing is Islam is about sitk, truthfulness. If you look at even just the, the, um, what was it called? What's it called? The, the, oh my God. Um, the process of how Islam was revealed, right? The first ayat of the Quran that came down weren't about halal and haram. I mean, it wasn't about the rulings, right? It was about connecting the hearts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to the reality that awaits them, to the akhirah, to the reality of their purpose, the reality of why they're here, right? It was about softening the heart with that truth. The rulings of no alcohol and hijab and all these things, you know, the out like the the outer presentation also of Islam, more so later on, right? And so we we don't do that with people. Allah is so much more merciful to us than we are to people because, you know, we expect people to just tell us you're going to practice, okay, perfection, you know, like that's it, right? But it's not that's not the way it is, and everybody's on their own journey. So I would say that Islam came down to reveal truth. And it, it, everything about Islam is about authenticity, truthfulness. And it's about connecting people to truth so that they can live in that truth. And so what we want to do is, um, you know, foster that in our hearts and the hearts of others. So be truthful with Allah. Meaning that if you, you know, if you have one thing that you're doing with Allah, don't lose that. Right? Like, let's say, like, somebody comes to you and they say, um, I don't want to wear hijab anymore right? And, but they're still praying. Tell them, hold on to that. Don't leave that. That's your door. Just be truthful with Allah. Like if it may, inshallah, you want to come back to wearing hijab, but just be truthful with Allah. Keep the door open with Allah. And there's a story. I'm, I'm really bad with remembering names. I remember meanings from like things I learn and I take it with me, but I'm, I'm bad with, with remembering names. But there's a story that one of um, my teachers taught me and he's, and he said, um, he was, he told me about this man who was a thief, right? And he was basically him and a group of people were they stole a they they robbed uh, somebody who was traveling through. So they robbed they robbed them and then they were about to sit down and eat. And the man said, "Oh, sorry, I'm not going to eat. I'm fasting." So this man, who is a thief, you know, chose not to eat because he was fasting. Eventually, this man became righteous later on. So, but oh, sorry. See, this is why I'm, I'm so bad. So then they asked him. They asked him, "You're you're a thief. You're and you're you're fasting." He said, this is the door that I keep open with Allah. Mm. Eventually, this man became a very righteous man later on. So it's a, it's a more detailed story. Um, but at the end of the day, I would tell everybody, including myself first, is that you don't answer to anyone but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah knows your own journey. Allah knows what you've been through. Allah knows what you're struggling with. Allah knows what is in your heart. But just be truthful with Allah. It doesn't matter what story and narrative you tell people. It doesn't matter, you know, you don't how what explanation you give to people. At the end of the day, just keep a door open with Allah. Just because you took off hijab doesn't mean abandon everything. Keep a door open. If you stop doing one deed, 
do the deed, keep being consistent in the deed that you do, you know, that you are, that you are able to hold on to and keep asking him for help, but keep the door open. But there is no, you know, um, there is no, no such thing as everyone's perfect. And honestly, I even think the most religious people, right? Like, let's say it's a, it's a level, like, you know, different levels or whatever. Even if you're so religious and you're presenting all of these things and you're outwardly, you still have your work in progress too. And you still have things that you have to work on with Allah. And maybe for you, if you, if it was, if you are at that level, maybe it's, I mean, not maybe, it is only because of Allah's rahmah towards you. And it's only because of Allah's grace towards you. And this is something that we miss. Like sometimes people, they'll say things like, oh, it's so easy for me to fast. It's so easy for me to do this. It's so easy for me to this, to do this. And I, you know, we have to take a pause and, and remember <laughs> that it is only, only by the grace of Allah that we are able to do those things. Because honestly, I, and last thing I'm going to say, the line between being practicing, and I learned this from my own life and from the working with so many people, is that the line between being practicing and not practicing is so thin, is so thin. And it is our own illusion that we think it is like, what we're, oh, us getting to that? Never. Me taking off hijab? Never. Me not praying? Never. Beware of saying things like that. If something comes easy to you, it's not because of you. It's because of Allah's rahmat towards you. MashaAllah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for dropping that, uh, those gems, honestly. Loving this episode. Loving this episode. And uh, the discussions that are coming out of it, MashaAllah. And I think it's something that needs to be heard because... I need to hear that. Like I need to hear that too sometimes. And you know, I'm I'm very grateful to hear that from from someone like yourself who her main role is to help others throughout that journey and that process, right? And you know, I'm really liking that because I think there's a shift right now that's happening, maybe a generational shift between uh, us who understood essentially you know all the all the trials and challenges of coming up right now in modern age versus maybe our elders who didn't really know and who are a little bit more kind of black and white if that makes sense would you agree absolutely yeah and i think yeah. that's what's happening i mean i look at that that's what that's the whole like um that's the element of are you still there i'm still there i'm still oh, there. Oh, sorry. yeah i was just like zooming in on it go for it yeah no that's the element of um of the psychological aspect of the spiritual experience right it's that you look at people's upbringing and what contributed to that, right? What contributed to this challenge? And for a lot of people and a lot of the way that they understood Islam wasn't through a balance of hope and fear. It was through fear, black and white, do this because it's haram and do this without any explanation. Mm -hmm. Even when it comes to- That like, was, was, that's pretty much how I was raised personally. Like yeah. not for my parents, but like from, I was brought into a Muslim school mm -hmm. and it was like, this gets you to hell, this gets you to heaven. And that's, that's yeah. it, you know? Yeah. And that's a big problem because, you know, and I, and I honestly think like, I just believe Allah is so merciful and Allah is like, if we think we're compassionate towards other human beings, like Allah knows how every person was raised. Allah knows how the message of Islam was received and was, was relayed to them first um, and how pure it was relayed to them, right? How truthful was it relate to them? Like, was it relate to them with cultural influences? Like, you know, was it relate to them in a very black and white without Allah's rahmah? Was it relate to them in the absence of love? Mm -hmm. Right. Many people and a lot of people in our generation now who grew up with that black and white do this because haram do this, you know, um, don't see Allah's love through even through so many things. They don't mm -hmm. see Allah's love for them. They don't see Allah's love in the rulings. They don't see Allah's love in it's all about, I feel restricted. I feel restricted. I feel it's like almost like 
you know, like, um, you know, when someone is, uh, you know, doing something and they're restricting themselves, let's say like they're, I don't know, I, I can't think of an example, but like, if you know what it's, what's, what it's rooted in your struggle, you're more likely to continue. But if you're continuing to restrict yourself, right. And you don't have a vision, you don't have a goal, you don't have, um, you don't see what it's for and you don't see Allah's love for you. It's going to be so hard to continue. That's emotionally draining. So sometimes it's about renewing that those foundations. How do you see, do you, how do you, do you see Allah's love for you in all of these things? So I, I definitely agree. There's a lot of issues that contribute to that. It's upbringing, but it's also, um, you know, it's the way that we receive these messages that weren't balanced, you know, like, for example, when it comes to par uh, parents, right? Like, you know, you always hear about obeying your parents, but you never hear, you never hear scholars talk about, you know, the amana it is to have children <laughs> and how actually parents are going to answer to Allah about raising their children and how important it is to speak kindly to them and to respect them. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's, it's imbalanced. Same thing with mm -hmm. men and women issues. Why is there this increased like um, resentment and anger, you know, because it wasn't balanced. It was like, you know, so when there's an imbalance, same thing with hope and fear, you talk more about fear and then you don't talk about hope. Guess what? You know, so we Islam is about balance. And I think that there was a lot of imbalance for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. For you, do you feel like your approach or let me reword that in a way? I want to know, in your opinion, how do you feel is the best approach for someone that wants to reconnect Mm -hmm. with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where should they start? Um, I, I think it's honesty, to be honest with you. I think it's, I think it's talking to Allah like he is your friend, you know. Um, I think it's, it's, it's just accepting that imperfection and, and knowing that Allah's door is open um, and filter, filter out the noise. Like, I know this is easier said than done, and I know it's hard to do, but as much as you can, like, remember that at the end of the day, it's about you and Allah. Mm -hmm. So, yes, people are going to judge. People are going to always judge. People are going to always expect certain things from you. People are going to have this idea of what is religiously, um, like, what looks pious, you know what I mean? And and what their expectations of you, you know, religiously. But at the end of the day, like, Allah loves that person that I really believe Allah loves that person who is just sincere. <laughs> You know, because isn't that the essence of, of everything we do? Like, what's the, like, not what's the point? I, I don't want to say that, but like, but like you could be so, so religious and not doing anything sincerely. So you're, mm. you know, how about that amala home? Like your, your deeds are, you know, like just, right. They're like, they're, they're not, they don't have value. So. I don't when, I when I think about that, it gives me the shivers, man. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, wow. And, and so many times, like, I'll be, I'll be real with you. So there's so many days and so many times, sometimes weeks where I'm going along and I'm not focused and I'm not conscious about yeah. like my intention, yeah. the intention behind what I'm doing. And, and I'm, some, I'm someone who discusses that with, with yeah. uh, through entrepreneur with my students a lot about, you know, setting the intention to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through your work. Right. And, you know, sometimes like I, I can feel literally when I get like this, distracted from that or i don't actively you know consciously implement that every single day mm -hmm. it's very easy to lose that and to just get wrapped up in the day-to-day -day grind of okay yeah. i gotta make sure like everything's running we gotta like make those posts and create those things and you know do all of those activities that we have to do 
and it's it's a conscious effort. It's a daily conscious effort. It requires daily conscious effort at all times. Absolutely. And I think that we focus so much on quantity, sometimes even spiritually, but also mentally and emotionally, things that we do for ourselves or per, or personally, like productivity wise, like we focus so much on quantity. That's and we do so much. But I think that the difference between somebody who goes to bed feeling nourished and feeling at peace and a person who doesn't feel that way, even though they're both doing the same amount of things, or even this person is doing more, the one who doesn't feel nourished, it's that this disconnect from the, from what we're doing. And it's that intention element. It's that turning inward process and focusing on this great inner world within us rather than the outer world. And, you know, like if you could just do a few things each day with just deep connection and intention, you know, if we could just focus on that, that brings your world to life. And it also makes you feel enough. You know, mm. a lot of people don't feel enough, even though we're more, much more comfortable than like our parents' generation in terms of like comforts that we have. Um, we are, you know, we maybe even, um, even if somebody's like doing a lot or they feel like they are more successful, whatever, right? Like we, we are missing this, this connection to ourselves because that's this inner world is where you go to connect to intentions, to the why, to the why. This is where meaning comes from, where they, you know, even in psychology, we, we recognize that people who are um, meaning driven and purpose driven, they are psychologically better off. They have it, it promotes their psychological well-being because you're connected to the why. And if we look at the Sahaba and we look at the companions, and the way that they, you know, um, walk their life. They were very much connected to their intentions. And I think mm -hmm. that's what we're missing. And because I, this is a concept that I teach is that experiences come and go, but intentions surpass time and place, right? So the value of your action, when you have that intention, when you're connected to the intention, when you intend for Allah, it goes beyond that time. So you did the action, but subhanAllah, you were connected. You feel nourished by that experience. You also feel less detached from the outcome. That's another thing. When you are in, when you, when you're more connected to your intention, and you, you see its value in front of Allah, because that's what setting intentions for Allah is, is that you see its value in front of Allah. You see how it could be pleasing to Allah. So when you do that, and then you do the action, if you're connected to your intentions, you're actually less detached from the, less attached from to the outcome because you're yeah. like, I see value in it already. Allah already sees that. And you know that Allah already rewards you for that, right? So, and also you just know the why. You psychologically, you're just, you know why you did this. So even if you, the outcome is not what you had hoped, you still you still feel content. So we are missing that element. We're, we're so fast paced. We're so like, just, you know, especially with social media and this um, emphasis on outer presentation, you know, everyone is trying to do a lot. And um, and, you know, this is a reminder to myself first, like this is, an, you know, it's really important to slow down. And even if you're going to do a few things a day, just make sure that you're connected to your intention and you're connected to the why. Mm -hmm. That was really beautiful, mashallah. Definitely. And I'm, I'm going to take that reminder home, too, because, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, for sure. Like, that's this is something that I need to hear sometimes because I'm, I'm a machine, man. Like, I need I need, <laughs> I need to breathe sometimes. Like, I remember last night, just last night, I, I was working until like... Um, from morning up until 1 a.m., went to mm -hmm. bed, woke up at 6 a.m., hit the gym, back at work right now, just mm -hmm. like, you know, just going at it. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, it doesn't, I don't always do this. I'm doing this now because I'm going on a trip soon. So I want to make sure like everything's taken care of. Mm -hmm. 
but I do realize that I can get carried away sometimes with just yeah. you know how much I do end up working. But um, so I appreciate will you be that. Working in, will you be working on your trip in Turkey? Or? Yeah, that's a great question. So I will, but very slightly. So um, I'm going to bring my laptop with me. And in the mornings and at nights, mm -hmm. like when I'm in the hotel, I'm going to check in with my team, make sure things are still running. Uh, but what I've done actually to prepare myself is I've created all my content in advance. I've created, you know, we're recording these episodes in advance. So I'm doing all of these actions in mm -hmm. advance. So that when I'm gone, everything is still running, everything's still mm -hmm. going out. And I think that's something that a lot of you know entrepreneurs listening to this can leverage, which is you know creating content in advance, creating whatever you need to do in your business in advance, and that kind of gives you the room to go and work on anything else you want to work on, or even take a break sure. if you want to, right? It's true. Yeah. I'm gonna take note of that. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred So that's 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 been a big one for me. Um, but uh, I know, uh, Michelle, we've had. I got carried away. This is we're now up to forty-five minutes. I could keep going for hours uh, on this. On this, honestly, I I'm down to keep going for three hours, four hours on this. But uh, we're we're gonna keep it reasonable here. But I'll, let me ask you this: for you right now, in the Home Institute, mm -hmm. people listening to this, if they want to be a part of it, inshallah, if they want to connect with you, they want to, you know, work with you throughout their journeys of that spiritual reconnection. Yeah. Uh, where's the best place for them to go? Where should we lead them exactly? It's the homeinstitute.org. Um, okay. the, the highest level of, you know, um, I call it investment, it, meaning like, you know, different levels of programs you could join, you could, but the highest level of investment um, is the God and Me program because it's a very comprehensive, more long term program that takes you through you know, phases of transformation that gives you not only the spiritual tools, but the psychological tools from an Islamic psychological lens. So that would be the God in Me program. Awesome. Awesome. And what I suggest, guys, is go on her website, check it out, look at, you know, mashallah, what she does and, you know, just what she's built here and the experiences that she's been able to bring to her students. But at the same time, what I want you to do is if you're really serious about this, go to her Instagram. Is it a uh, Dr. Marwa Asar, what's your Instagram handle? It's uh, at the Doctor of Hearts. Okay, at the Doctor of Hearts, the DR of Hearts, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so guys, go to Instagram at the DR of Hearts, give her a follow, send her a message, be like, I really like the episode. Um, can we get on a call? I'm interested in your program. Do me a favor and do that if you're interested, uh, because trust me, it is worth it. It is, you know, I've personally had the opportunity to look at what's inside and, and help Marwa through her process a little bit. And mashallah, I can tell you that I'm 100% putting my stamp and seal certification on this because it is incredible. So go check it out, guys. Follow her on Instagram, send her a message. Tell her, I want to be in this program. Tell me more about it. Get on a call. There's no obligation to do anything, but please go ahead and do it. Because if you resonated with this conversation today, um, trust me, this is, we haven't even scratched the surface of, you know, everything that, you know, we need to know as Muslims and how do we overcome those challenges and how do we reconnect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So please do yourself a favor or maybe send this podcast or episode to someone you know who could benefit from listening to this and have them reach out to Dr. Marwa because they will be in good hands, inshallah. And Marwa, thank you so much for re for just joining me on this episode today. It was incredible. Well, thank you thank for you. having me. This was really nice. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was an honor to have you. And uh, inshallah, hopefully maybe we'll have you again for a third time because every time I have you on, it's absolutely incredible. Inshallah. <laughs> I love being on your podcast and really appreciate all the work that you do. So 
happy to be here. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, really appreciate you, Manuel. Thank you so much. So guys, you know the drill. Uh, if you did enjoy this podcast and this episode, just go ahead and give us a rating and review. Uh, let us know why you love this podcast. Share it with the people that you know. And we'll see you next week, inshallah. Take care. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.